two households both alike in dignity sort of but one's greek and the other's italian guys i swear we've done this before (laughs) we've done i'm having deja vu on movie deja vu we've done this already are you having movie deja vu deja vu yes (laughs) fuck it cue the muppets again somebody's getting married somebody's getting married Today's movies, Moonstruck versus My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Movie Deja Vu, a podcast that likes to answer the question, didn't I see this somewhere? From two movie aficionados. My name is John, and with me is my mother's brothers, fathers, mothers, hairdressers, cousins, aunts, nephews, grandparents, adoptive dogs, first families, sisters, mothers, uncles, butchers, sons, cousins, stepbrothers, daughters, Shady. Yep, that's what I am. How are you, Shady? (laughs) You know what? I'm dandy. How are you, John? I'm good. And with us, we have our friend Lauren back. She was on another episode where it was Greek culture versus Italian culture. <laughs> but this is the this is the one that she submitted to us. Yay, Lauren! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so Lauren like sent us a giant email suggesting ten episodes. Thank you. We're gonna slowly do them. But what made you pick these two? Well, I grew up with Moonstruck. Which apparently probably isn't a movie that is appropriate for children. (laughs) And then as a teenager watching My Big Fat Greek Wedding, I went, oh, wait, but isn't this just a... And now, in fairness, if you're of any type of Mediterranean descent... There's lots of things that like, you know, because we all share the same sea, things that get crossed over between different countries and things we share. But this was just like, ah, this is okay. I see some parallels. Let's discuss. It's true. So Moonstruck came out in 1987. It was written by John Patrick Shanley, which I think this is our first of his on our podcast. Yeah, I think it is too. Directed by Norman Jewison. I, I'm sorry if I did, said the last name wrong. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 94% fresh rating. And on Metacritic, it's got 83 out of 100. That's uh, out of 17 reviews. 15 were positive and two were mixed. Ooh. Zero negative. Go team. Go team. <laughs> and according to IMDb, Loretta Castorini, a bookkeeper from Brooklyn, New York. Let me, sorry, let me let me do this again. <clears throat> Take two. Loretta Castorini, a bookkeeper from Brooklyn, New York, finds herself in a difficult situation when she falls for the brother of an of a man she has agreed to marry. Did I do it? Did I do it? That was good, but you better do a Chicago accent for the next one. <sighs> oh shit. <laughs> Just think of the bears. The bears, the bulls. Agree. Okay, I got it. I think I got it. Uh, (laughs) So for my Big Fat Greek Wedding, came out in 2002. It's written by Nia Verdalos, which kudos to her. Like this movie was fucking fantastic as like her first film. Yeah, based on a, a, a one act play that she did. I'll get more into that later. Yeah, um, please do. Directed by Joel Zwick. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 76% fresh rating, which I think is a little low. And Metacritic, also low, is 62 out of 100. So that's out of 29 reviews, 17 were positive, 11 were mixed, and one was negative. Okay. Duh, Bears. Duh, was Bears. The- <laughs> Duh, <laughs> Was the one negative review from someone who was Turkish? <laughs> no, it's from Owen Gleiberman, who... Ah, oh, damn. <laughs> he's got... I think he's a really good writer, but he has questionable opinions. <laughs> okay. Yes. Just had to ask. And that's a history lesson, guys, between the history of Greece and Turkey. Oh, you boy. Look it up. Oh, boy. It's all sorted history and all that. <laughs> 
and according to IMDb, I'm gonna try. A a young Greek woman falls falls in love. Sounded like Peter Griffin. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what it is. <laughs> Come on, John, commit. Okay. <laughs> Pretend that you're very Polish American. You've got an uncle named Stanley Dombrowski who owns a pole like a, a pierogi shop over in uh, Wrigleyville. Just you know what? I'm just gonna do Peter shoes. I'm just gonna do Peter Griffin or my interpretation of Peter Griffin. Is it that Boston? Is it? I don't know. <laughs> Chicago's like a cross between Midwest. And silly. <laughs> That's sort of what it a, is. Take a Buffalo, New York accent and a yep. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania accent and mash them together and make them more stupid. <laughs> I say that as somebody with a deep and abiding love for the city of Chicago. It is it's one of awesome the greatest city. cities in the world. Fuck it. I'm just going to do a voice. Let's see what happens. <laughs> a young Greek woman falls... F- falls in love with a non-Greek and struggles to get her family to accept him while she comes to terms with her heritage and cultural identity. I don't know what that was, and we're going with it. Cut print. You know, you also, I'm saying this way too late, you could have just done Andrea Martin's Greek accent. Oh, a young <laughs> oh. Greek woman falls in love with a non-Greek and struggles to get her family to accept him while she comes to terms with her heritage and cultural identity. Ooh, little, who wants lamb? A boont. A my favorite thing we've done. Oh, it's a cake. <laughs> oh, you fixed it. <laughs> There's a horror in this cake. <laughs> this is we gonna be a fun one. An hour of us reciting lines from both of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> they it is seriously probably they are probably both of the two most quotable movies maybe ever. They're insanely quotable. Snap <laughs> out of it. <laughs> I I I'm gonna admit something, and I hope this makes the cut. Uh, I have not seen Moonstruck prior to this. So I've obviously seen Drag Race seasons one through infinity. Yeah. And whenever uh, RuPaul says snap out of it, I know that he's quoting Cher. I didn't realize it was Moonstruck. So kudos. Yeah. Kudos Good for end. me to finally get it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, you're not, you're learning your herstory. My herstory. No. Let it please be him. Oh dear God, it must be him. It must be him. So there's uh not that much really comparatively, besides like the family dynamics between these two movies. Like yeah. there's Oh go go ahead. I was gonna say that they kind of center around a to be wedding. Right, that's what I was going to say. That they're both mostly plotted around this lead up to a wedding. But um, like the the family dynamics is very similar. I mean, I know I come, I, I'm more moonstruck because I have a Italian heritage in my background. So going to my Italian family, I was just like, ah, yes, this is it. <laughs> this is exactly what I'm used to. You know, you come in, you have a you have a cup of coffee, and you sit down, and you have breakfast, and all that. And I'm just like. That, that's exactly <laughs> it. Granted, Long Island instead of Brooklyn, but still, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I am neither Italian nor Greek. You might have been able to guess that by looking at me. I am very obviously a half Irish, half Polish woman. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, but like, I do relate to having at least older members of my family, a few generations up, who have a very strong identify very strongly with that um background and as a result have brought over sort of prejudices that in the context of we're american now we're not really irish anymore but like my grandma still just fucking hates the british and I, i i see things like that in both of these movies where where especially you know uh the grandmother in 
my big fat Greek wedding, which to be fair, she actually is Greek, but that she still, she still um, thinks that she needs to uh, be on the alert for the Turks and yes. uh, things like that. Um, so not really the same at all, but there were a couple of things that I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of universal for people who have family members that identify with a different nationality very strongly. But then because these are both movies that center around a, um, a wedding, like we said, um, there's a makeover montage that has to happen. I mean, it happens differently for uh, different reasons in both of them. Like yeah. Tula wants to match the inner and outer beauty, how mm-hmm. I read it. And then uh, what's her name? Loretta. I forgot Cher's name already. <laughs> She's just kind of Cher. Cher just wanted a, a, her to get her hair done. Yeah. Before she went to the opera. Lauren, have you gotten your hair especially done before you went to the opera? No. <laughs> then again, then again, she let herself go. Like. Yeah, it took me a while to realize that that was not reflection in her hair, that that was gray. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, I think there's also this element of she was dating a younger man or she was going sort of date are we calling it dating she was with a younger man she was going with a younger man and then they and then they fucked yeah like no I mean it was kind of (laughs) oh it was the other way around that's right yeah they 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 done the deed yeah and then they went to the opera to be like this is it this is it this is it Mm -hmm. and then they didn't yeah, they just kept kept going. I mean, <laughs> I would do. My goodness, sorry, I swoon a lot watching this movie. <laughs> this was prime Nick Cage, if I do say so myself. Yes, <laughs> he's so unbelievably hot in this movie, and his character is so. I want to find a Ronnie for myself. Is all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right, let's go to Brooklyn. <laughs> we'll find we'll find you a Ronnie. It'll be fine. Yeah, we'll go to all the bakeries until we find him. But you have to be careful. I mean, he's you're gonna know who he is. He's gonna be missing a hand, so <laughs> be pretty easy to figure it out which one it is. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, have to be a qualifier for, to find you a Ronnie. That's uh, <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> it helps though, and that he blames someone else when he probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. That whole scene defines almost his a large portion anyway of his pers- of his whole personality. Yeah. Is him in the in the basement baking bread. <laughs> Big bread. Oh I used to do that scene all the time as a child. It probably is still locked up here somewhere in my brain. <laughs> I don't know if I want to unlock it or keep it locked in cuz it's like Pandora's box up there. Ooh. Eh, it's all right, not today. <laughs> Not today, Satan. Not today. I did write down that the most obvious similarity between the two is that the the leading lady falls in love with a, a man that she's not supposed to love or yeah. like go for. Yeah, it's some, some sense of forbidden love due to family ties, but for different reasons in mm-hmm. both movies. Can I say that? I think so. Yeah. And also the fact that they're both considered over the age of a time that they should have gotten married right in loretta's case being that she was married but her husband got hit by a bus bad luck as she says and then um in uh, tula's case it's the fact that you know she's essentially a homebody who who doesn't really do go uh, go past you know her own like her own fences how old do you think tula and Cher are supposed to be I know Tula's well, supposed to be in her thirties. They're both in their thirties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I but think, in like I Italian think... American culture and Greek as well, you should be the especially like the older mentality was that you should be married and having babies by the time you're twenty five. And if you're getting closer to twenty eight, people start to get concerned, like what's wrong with you, kind of thing. Why? Why do you wait? <laughs> That's true. And I, I think Tula is supposed to be in her early thirties mm-hmm. and. Loretta's supposed to be in her mid, maybe late 30s, meaning like 37. Mm-hmm. Um, but similar age still. But um, then we're in agreement that the men that they're paired up with, not Nicolas Cage, the other guy, Johnny. Mm. 
They're Johnny Camerary. Johnny Camerary. Johnny Ronnie. That's the whole thing. I N E N E N Miller. Are they're there's they're like older, the older man? Or is Ian supposed to be like her age? I don't know. Ian, I think, might be supposed to be her age, but John Corbett just kind of reads a little bit older. Oh, John. Like five years older. <laughs> it's but the like, hair. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. I, I wish it wasn't. I wish it was the cut hair version of John Corbett that's in mm. Sex and the City too. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you didn't get it because I had to make a joke about the stringy hair. Xeno <laughs> with the white toast and the hair. Like, that's a, it's a thing. It was a bit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think he's supposed... I don't know if he's supposed to be older than her, but I think he just reads older as her because of how he looks, but also a little bit too because of his confidence versus hers. Like he's so much more self-assured. He's so like from the get-go knows exactly what he wants and goes after it. And Mm -hmm. Tula, we need to like watch that evolution happen. And that makes her feel a little bit younger. Well, in both cases, they're still living with their parents, which no, no issue, but like 30s is when you should start thinking be thinking at least to yeah this is this is pre-recession so it was uh and pandemic so and yeah so things were a little more people weren't living with their parents back then the way they are now but i i wrote down i had a list of the family values instead of plot points because like there's not yeah yeah i think this is one of those where it's more they're spiritually similar rather than the plot is similar yeah so like um you have the loud family in both cases father's a little bit of an issue (laughs) for different reasons for different reasons (laughs) Uh uh-huh but like with my big fat greek wedding that's the whole point of the character Right, like they're, they're calling out his uh, antiquated views, but also like in in her own way, uh, his wife Maria has like her. She's much stronger than him, and like she's kind of figured out how to game his mindset in her favor. Well, mm-hmm. and that's even in Moonstruck. Yep. Um, you're oh, right. You're right. Name? I don't. I'm not. I'm, I'm too lazy to even look up. Who? Loretta's mom. What's her name? Rose, thank you. Rose, yes. Rose and Cosmo. Those are the parents. Rose and Cosmo. R- Rose, Rose and Cosmo, and then um, oh God, in Greek wedding, it's Gus and Maria are the That's parents. It. Yeah, because like Maria has that whole speech that she gives to Tula about like the the men may think that they're the head, but the women are the neck, mm-hmm. and like Rose could have said the same thing basically. Yeah, she yeah, no, she, she does a few times it. over the course of the movie. My favorite is the beginning where she's lo- where <laughs> where Cher comes in. And she's like, "I'm going to get married," and Rose is like, "Do you love this man?" She went, "No." She and Rose went, "Good." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> yeah, that's the attitude. Because when you love them, they'll make you crazy. <laughs> was Moonstruck a stage show? No, not to my knowledge, anyway. Because, like, I may be confusing with Brighton Beach Memoirs, but, like, it feels like it was a stage show as well. Well, John Patrick Shanley is a playwright, first and foremost, so that also is why it has that feel. I think also because it does tie, like, I was watching this, I was at my parents' house, so, you know, no shade to these women for living with their parents. No, Um, totally fine. But I was watching it, and my dad was, like, he you know, just came home from work and he w- watched a bit of it with me. And he just goes at one point, this movie's great because it's just like an opera. And like that clicked so many things in my head where I was like, this movie is an opera, but like jokes instead of songs. Yep. There are some comedic operas. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, yeah. But like. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess. But you. like he said that and I was like, oh my God, it is. It's like, it's all these very big personalities with like, fairly simple um desires that create lots of complicated feelings and and then they scream in each other's faces yeah it's an opera yeah it's an opera there's superstitions involved which there's you know to a degree superstitions involved in my big fat greek wedding as well oh yeah 
and elements of religion in both as well too yeah well it feels like it's a little heavy-handed in my big fat greek wedding though the religious aspect because like he actually converts yeah that is something you have to do though in order That's to true. marry in the church i have I, I have one greek aunt who married into my um family and my uncle had to leave the catholic church in order to marry her That's yeah it is it is that's why it's like for somebody like ian where he's not terribly religious he's like well it's you know i'm doing it because i love her and that you know that's where that come that feeling comes from it's like the willingness to say okay yeah it's almost more symbolic than religious Mm -hmm. i also had that like traditional heterosexual wedding steps happen it's expanded more in my big fat greek wedding because it takes place over months a year i don't know yeah mm-hmm. like the the plot of the movie is planning the wedding right most and of that, it and then in um moonstruck they want the parents want want her to have a little more of a wedding and she's just like i want to go to city hall i had the big wedding yeah she goes that's a whole thing that's it and you know i i get it <laughs> i love like, her weddings are exhausting but like the, they also the man had to come over and ask permission and uh, everything and blah 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 blah. <laughs> Although for Johnny's case, he ended up going to Italy because his mom was dying. <laughs> I was like, good, good way to get rid of a character for <laughs> a likely story. Mama's dying. I have to go. <laughs> I told her she was. <laughs> Oh man, I and dear listener, we are probably just going to quote the both movies because oh, they're so right. But like, it's it's so they were so good, and even watching them with twenty twenty one eyes, it feels like they sort of passed the test because like what issues they have, that's the reason for it. Right, right. The point is them sort of calling out these things or or pointing out how sort of antiquated or ridiculous it is. It's not like when we did The King and I. Right. <laughs> ah, sticky situation. Call back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I well, think I think there's a lot of the a lot of the things in these movies that are sort of similar. And and I will this is one of those that when this was suggested, I was like, "Oh, that's interesting. I never really thought of those two movies as being that similar before." And then watching them back to back, I was like, "Oh, cuz they they do, you know, they focus on the heroine who is a younger adult woman, but like they also involve different generations of the family and sort of have their own storylines to a degree, more so in Moonstruck than in My Big Fat Greek Wedding. But like it's still there in My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yeah. That yeah. said, I would definitely watch a whole scene of Nikki in, in um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding just <laughs> doing whatever she wanted. Like a day in the life of Nikki and Aunt Vula. Like that, yeah. I feel like was, I, I, I needed it. it. I would not have been mad if that just happened at some that point. That should have yeah. been the sequel. That should have been. That would have been better than what we got. Oh no! Did you see my big fat Greek wedding too? I don't remember. No, I did not. There's not much to remember, but it's really not very good. It was a very disappointing movie. I mean, everybody seemed like they had fun making it, so good for them. Mm -hmm. It was a nice reunion for them. Yeah, and they got a they got a little bit of a paycheck out of it. A little little money. Yeah, yeah. Little little change. (laughs) I also wrote down that the meat cute is awkward in both movies. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like Tula just stares at Ian in yeah. the diner. Yeah. But then Loretta is begging Ronnie to accept Johnny's apology. <laughs> you need to go talk to my brother. They're like, not- why does she need to be the one who has to do it? Why They're not really meat cutes so much as they are meat cringe. and you're the couple that ends up together at the end oh <laughs> weird i mean i guess what's nice about it is you can only go up from there right i was gonna say True. i prefer these types of quote-unquote meet cutes to like the typical one that's a little too uh just two beautiful people bumping into each other and things go great from there on out 
Um, I think this is more entertaining, more relatable, gives you a little more hope because this is how I tend to meet people. (laughs) No, it's true. It's really true. And that's, I think, why the character, you know, they're all coming to the situation with their own baggage. Ian probably least of all of the four, but the other three do come to the situation already feeling some kind of way about how things are in their lives. And I feel like as a viewer, it's like I can relate to that more because I certainly come to situations when meeting new people, you know, with my own walls up and the baggage stowed somewhat tidily in a corner, but it's still there. Yeah, because we never know about Ian's past. We kind of can infer a lot just because his family is like the typical Anglo-Saxon Protestant, frigid sort of... uh... But like, we don't know if he was married before or how many girlfriends he had. Mm. Are we to assume that he is Tula's first everything? I certainly thought so. That yeah, that's the impression I get at the very least. That she she never was comfortable enough before dating somebody that she knew her parents wouldn't approve of. It's true. And she does not like the guys that her parents do approve of. Yes. That the whole, lineup is so good. That whole montage, I was just like, I feel so bad for you. <laughs> <sighs> you know where she's like her and Ian are getting very serious, but then uh, the dates, I'm just like, oh, oh, so cringeworthy. Yep. (laughs) I do. I love her brother though. And like her relationship with him, Nick. Yeah. Yeah, There's, he's so sweet and they're so sweet together. That's kind of what I missed in Moonstruck. I wish Cher had a sibling. Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes feel that way, but I feel like her aunt and her mom sort of yeah they sort of step fill, into that yeah they fulfill the role of like the confidant. Mm-hmm. Mm. But then the mom has her own storyline going on, and I'm just like, I feel bad for you too. <laughs> <laughs> Olympia Dukakis, okay. how could you cheat on her? I know, right? <laughs> she was in oh. Steel Magnolias. <laughs> ah! That's why that moment when she realized, when she puts the pieces of the, of the puzzle together of like, you know, oh, he's afraid of dying. So that must be the reason why would you cheat? This is it. <laughs> it's just that whole, that whole thing. And then that scene that they're at the table and he bangs on the table and he's like, okay. <laughs> but Sometimes. she has, she Does has like a good dinner with Fraser's dad. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> yes. Well. Well, I'm sorry that, you know, the man that you're forced to eat dinner with is a scumbag, but, like, at least you had a fun time, right? (laughs) Such a good movie. Thanks for it. No, seriously, you're welcome. You're welcome. Exactly. I didn't know I needed to watch these, but I did. I really did. Yeah. No, they're very warm movies, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, I feel like when people want to get to know me intimately at a very quick rate, I'm like, just watch Moonstruck. I'm like, that was my mother with her mother, and that's now me with my mother. I'm like, it's exactly this way where I can walk into the room and my mother will say something along the lines of, your father and I have, I'm like, okay, yes, yes, this is my reality. Thank you. Fast track. oh my god um so here is a similarity that is just me being stupid okay both movies have a pop star as one of the actors ah yes Cher is loretta obviously and then in sync's joey fatone as cousin angelo is that yes, you? Angelo! We're gonna kill ya! Hey! <laughs> Obviously, very different uh, types of roles and everything. Cher won an Oscar for this movie, and then Joey Fatone might have been in one other movie. I don't know. He was in a few other movies. He was in My Big Fat Greek Wedding, too. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, he, he then went on to The Masked Singer. Come on. Yeah, I knew that because I watched that show. <laughs> Sorry to spoil it for you, but like <laughs> it was season one, so whatever. I was about to say, don't tell. <laughs> God damn it, John! I didn't say exactly who he was. Uh, it's true. Okay. 
But now you're going to be um, listening for his voice. <laughs> I did have it as a difference. That I, I know we talked a little bit about the time of my big fat Greek wedding. Mm-hmm. If you told me it took place over the course of like three months, I'd believe you. But if you told me it also took place over the course of like three years, I'd also believe you. <laughs> yeah, it kind of exists in that like liminal space. Uh, Moonstruck takes place in a week. Yeah. It's pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, because he's just out to Italy to talk to his mom. He can't like he can't have been planning to be there for like six months. <laughs> well, yeah, he didn't. He was he was supposed to be there for a month. Mm-hmm. But then once he told her about his engagement, she got better, got better and he came <laughs> home. She's probably my favorite character is Ronnie and Johnny's mom. She has less than 30 seconds of screen time. And she's crying out in pain the whole time. <laughs> she's great. I adore her. But you all, does, she also has two other women like praying at her bedside or something like that or two yes. other people there is that yes. like a final rights type of thing like no just to be, be like get better get better i think okay <laughs> it's like neighbors in the village who are coming okay. by kind of I, that's how i interpreted it right especially if it's like middle of i mean sicily is a fairly small island but even in like the late 80s parts of sicily still didn't have like electricity so Mm. that's all i think of i'm like yeah it's the parts of sicily that it's just like there's nothing here (laughs) you've been to sicily i wasn't sure lauren huh you've been to sicily i have not i was supposed to go in the spring of 2020 but (laughs) (laughs) jokes on me (laughs) <laughs> i'm supposed to go in the spring of 2021 too and i was just it's looking more like spring 2022 i'll get back to the mediterranean ah uh, great world we live in jd have you been to sicily <laughs> i have not been to sicily i went to venice for two days one time on my way to vienna and that is all mm-hmm. the time i've ever spent in italy it's beautiful though i would love to go back to italy and go to all the major cities and everything but especially venice i love venice mm. have you I been was, to sicily john nope <laughs> I, was, I was gonna be like is that a see if if that was actually a thing there where like the neighbors would come in and pray if you guys witnessed something like that i believe it only because i saw it here in queens growing up right uh, yeah I amongst sure italian american relatives and such i wasn't sure if it was like supposed to be sort of you know, when you think you're dying, you call up the priest to do the final rites and everything and just keep him on, on hand in case you take a bad turn. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was something like that. <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't doubt that either. I mean, either possibility is... Like, I, I thought maybe, maybe, oh, those are the nuns from a nearby abbey. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then you just okay. said Vienna, so I went to Sound of Music. Like... There you go. But I agree with we're gonna recall that episode a lot today, I think. (laughs) I also agree though that the mother the the mothers um in that's in of Johnny and Ronnie also has the most influence of somebody who has so little screen time. Same can be said about Yaya. Yaya! Yes. Is that her is that is that how you pronounce her name? Yaya. I mean that's that's just grandma. Yaya. Yeah, Yaya. She's the best character. Uh, she's one of the best characters out of the entire crazy bunch that is that family. But then she has like the most heartfelt moment. With- oh my god, I tear up when I watch that scene with mm-hmm. Tula yeah. and Maria. Yeah. With the um, reeds yeah, that they the walk dress. around in the circle as like the first first time walking together as a married couple. Mm-hmm. Oh, so beautiful. And it's like. I don't even think she says anything in that scene. She only speaks Greek throughout the movie. Yeah, that scene she like uh, mimes things or points and is like, this is mine. Mm-hmm. Right. This picture, this photograph right here is me. Yeah. Uh, to call back to another episode of this show, um, <laughs> Lauren, last time you were on, we talked about Mamma Mia and I did not mention that slipping through my fingers, that whole song when Meryl Streep is getting Amanda Seyfried ready for her wedding. 
-hmm. like that moves me to tears every single time and this scene is very similar where like it always happens in wedding movies I don't know why but like any scene where it's somebody from the older generation just sort of like giving this very intimate show of uh passing down their traditions and basically just intimating to their child or their grandchild that they are passing on the legacy down to them. Um, just really, I find very moving. I love scenes like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, and especially with this one, because it is her one, it is Yaya's one moment of clarity. Right. In a sea where her, her whole existence is chaotic. It's yeah. really the one moment where you can kind of really get to see this person too. So that's super touching. Because yeah, they, they have to wonder, like, how often is she completely clear-headed? Right. It's true. And there's, you know, the implication that I take away from the movie, at least, is that um, she has obviously has PTSD, but also Alzheimer's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which explains a lot of her sort of wacky behavior. And it's just sort of one of those things where it's like, if we think about it too hard, we're going to cry. So we're going to laugh about it instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a scene like that, where she is just silent and calm and knows exactly what she's doing and is in full awareness of what's happening around her. Mm-hmm. It's just very moving. I'm going to cry. <laughs> so on a I'm lighter note, sure Nick Cage has a wooden hand. <laughs> oh he does. And he lost it because of a woman. <laughs> Oh, no, it was Johnny. Johnny made me look the other way, so I cut off my hand. That's it. Uh Uh-huh. It's all Johnny's fault. Yes. (laughs) Ronnie bears no responsibility. (laughs) It's all Johnny's fault. God, he's so hot, though. (laughs) It's true. I mean, the whole scene. Listen, that scene with the two of them in the kitchen when I was young, left an impression on me. Like, I was under the impression that was how everybody had sex. And I was like, this is great. And, well, Lord knows I've been disappointed in my years after that. (laughs) So Nicolas Cage and Cher gave me unrealistic expectations of what a good lay was supposed to be. Yeah. So this movie is to you what Disney princess movies are to most people. (laughs) It's true. Didn't watch a lot of Disney princess movies as a kid, so yeah, here we are. <laughs> nope, Lauren just watched Moonstruck on repeat. We did. My parents used to quote it all the time. My mom is mad that she's not on this episode because she has so many feelings about both of these movies. And mostly I think she just wanted to come on and just be like talking about copper pipes. Like that's what she wanted to do. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Louise. (laughs) I gave her a shout out. How's that? Will she be fine with that? I mean, she'll be fine, but she won't be fine because that's how she is. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Louise. (laughs) Don't be mad. Um, was there? Do we just want to get to special features? Like, (laughs) sure. Is there anything else that we want to talk about? What were we really talking about? I feel like we just ran the gamut. Yeah, that was pretty free flow. (laughs) Is there anything else you want to mention then? Like, besides uh, Windex or... Um, I'm going to get on my soapbox and say that not enough people win, like, Academy Awards for comedies anymore. And I'm so glad that Cher won for this. And I believe a few of the other actors were nominated. Yeah. And I think it's like just such a shame that that feels like a thing that happened a lot into the mid 90s. And then suddenly it was like, oh, if you want to win an Academy Award, you got to cry while you're singing. <laughs> like, yes, Anne Hathaway. Yeah. And, and also, Emma Stone. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I if you cry while one. singing, that's Oscar gold. Uh-huh. And also, I mean, for Cher especially, because they people laughed when her name popped up on the um, credits and the opening credits. People were in the movie theaters laughing. I just don't think anybody expected anything from her. That's well, 
disrespectful. Yeah, my that was my mother's favorite story to tell. She's like, we're going to the movie, we're going to see it. And she, my dad had just, my my parents had just gotten married in 87. So yeah, that, that was the thing. People were straight up laughing until obviously the end of the movie. Then of course, you know, you're shook, I hope. Yeah. Um, and I just looked it up just to double check. And Vincent Gardenia was also nominated for actor in a supporting role. I... I just looked up my Big Fat Greek Wedding uh, and it was only nominated for Best Screenplay. Yeah. Which is, I mean, the best part about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, that's, that's the strength of the movie. If you're only going to nominate it for one thing, that's the thing to nominate it for. Mm. Um, and that is where, you know, if comedies do get any major awards recognition anymore, that's where they end up is screenplay. But, right. you know, knock on wood, hope, I'm hoping that... Uh, certain comedic performance wins best actress this year it it lost to talk to her i don't know what that is i was about to say what's that uh that was the movie that that was the movie that won best screenplay that year i think it's a spanish film pretty sure it is yeah isn't that a pedro uh almodovar movie yes Uh, apologies for i know i butchered his name yeah that's one of his that i haven't seen and on that note, let's go into special features, shall we? Let's do it. Booyah! <laughs> special features! If I could only have one wish, it'd be the girl whose lips I kiss. Oh, my only dream. So... Usually special features, we each take a movie, but in this case, since we have three, I task Lauren to look up La Boheme's, considering it was such a big deal in Moonstruck. So I don't know what she found out. Uh, Shady had Moonstruck and I had my big fat Greek wedding. So let's start with Shady since that came out first, shall we? Let's do it. Um, I rambled too much doing special features. I've learned this over... How many of these episodes have we done? 31. Great. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to keep it very simple. I'm just going to talk about one major story that I tried really hard not to break into uh, during our main discussion. But we have to talk about how at the time that this movie was being filmed, Cher was dating a much younger man who was native New Yorker of Italian descent and also a baker. Uh, he was 22 years old. They met uh, at her 40th birthday party. Good for her. Yeah. His name is uh, Rob Camilletti. But like their relationship at the time was like such huge tabloid fodder that like he's known as Bagel Boy because he was a 22 year old bagel maker. Bagel Baker? Baker. Baker. Baker? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and it was a huge deal at the time because that was like one of the first times ever that a huge celebrity who was an older woman was dating a younger man. And uh, it was kind of, you know, semi-scandalous and everything, but it was also this whole backstory of he's just, he's not a celebrity himself. He's just a guy who makes bagels in Queens. Um, and it was like a huge story for a while. And it's just interesting how much of that overlaps with what happens in this movie. Right. Um, down to the fact that his name is Rob, which is not that far off from Ronnie. No. And like, for what it's worth, he, he pretty hot he, guy. Pretty hot guy. He could be called Robbie for all we know. Exactly. That's crazy. Right? I'm sorry. I just think that's a crazy coincidence. Well, was it a coincidence or did John Patrick Shanley just like, I'm inspired by this. Let's cast Cher in it. You know what? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe? Maybe. But anyway, I don't want to ramble too much, so I'm keeping it at that. Let's move along to my big fat Greek wedding. Well, let's do La Boheme as like a a, a palate cleanser, shall we? I like that. Yeah. Well, here's the question. What do you want to know about La Boheme? So... How exactly does it tie with Moonstruck? Well, I mean, you can get into the psychological part of it. 
Well, so like out of all the operas in the world, why did they pick La Boheme? I think there's a variety of reasons. La Boheme is a great intro to opera, opera mm. because of its length and the fact that there is comedy. It's a love story. The music is personally, I think it's stunning. I'm a huge Puccini fan. So everything Giacomo wrote, I'm just like, give me more. Um, there has been some discussion on the psychological reasons of why La Boheme. Um, and specifically when they're sitting at the Met um, watching the scene from Act 3 where Mimi's about to break it off with Rodolfo and why is why is this the moment she cries? And I'm like, well, I mean, part of it is obviously it's a sad scene. This breakup is sad. It's tragic. Um, and also her, you know, possibly the using it as a tool to reflect Loretta's feelings for Ronnie as she's trying to decipher who is it that she really wants to be with. Even though she's engaged to one man, she's obviously clearly more invested in her, the brother in the situation. Hmm. I see. Okay. So I will, personal story. I worked at the Met for five years, so I have obviously worked on this show. It was really inter- nice and interesting to see the loading dock again, because I think they actually, I'm, like, they had to have filmed that on location. Like, they couldn't have recreated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not the Zeffirelli set either. So, yeah, they, it's its own separate thing. That is the Zeffirelli set. Is that not the Zeffirelli set? I don't think that's what I just read. So, uh, hold on a moment. Yeah, because watching watching the opera aficionados will no doubt notice that the segment from the opera shown to us in the movie is clearly not Zeffirelli's iconic production. And I am quoting David Salazar of Opera Wire when I say that. That's that is fascinating because in the Zeffirelli production, they too have supers background players for operas. Uh, walking across the stage. So I was just like taken aback to those days. <laughs> but I was just like, ah, oh, well, this is the Met. And it feels like they filmed, they actually filmed in the venue, in the theater, as well as the lobby. Because mm-hmm. like that's too much detail to <laughs> recreate. You may as well just shell the money out to them. It's true. It's a private organization. So you can absolutely give them, write them a check and say, great, we need to, this is what we need and how long we need it for. And the other reason I think choosing La Boheme or really opera in general is, first of all, there's a very old Italian proverb that says, bed is the poor man's opera. Mm. Wow. Let that sink in for a moment. Mm. And also, I mean, utilizing opera, especially in these moments of such heightened emotion, not just when they're in attendance at the opera, but utilizing it at the very end of the movie, utilizing it, you know, the first time they consummate their relationship. Also, like, opera just is naturally a high stakes art form. In order for people to feel all those emotions so deeply, it's that you can no longer speak it, you must sing it. So I also think that's why using opera in this, and especially Italian opera for an Italian-American family, is really, it's a great tool, a great device in this conflict, in the construct of storytelling. I hope I'm making sense. (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense to me. La Boheme also has adultery, right? Um, One yes. of the storylines has that, so... Yes, well, really, both of the storylines in Boheme. I directed, uh, I've assistant directed Boheme in college, and I myself have sung Mimi a few times since graduating. So, yeah, both storylines have adultery, jealous lovers. Um, and uh, spoiler alert, I guess you really can't call it a spoiler alert. The opera's over 100 years old. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> One relationship, one of the love in this quartet of lovers in Act 3, one ends really positively where they end up staying together and the other are separated via death. So, you know, again, all high stakes. So that's why they showed Act 3. Yes. 
and doing Donde Leita specifically, that aria where she's saying, you know, I, goodbye without regret. That's what Donde Leita, uh, that's what Amadia Sanzarancor translates to. Goodbye without regret. Because even even Mona, the dad's yes. side, side piece. <laughs> I she love doesn't, Mona! <laughs> she doesn't die, but like he's told to call it off with her. So Yeah, I would, some people like after reading the psychological breakdown of it on um, Opera Wire just now, because I did not do my research, but I know this opera like the back of my hand. <laughs> We're real friendly like <laughs> i have to disagree with him because he's comparing them to mimi and rodolfo and i'm like no 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 no. they're definitely marcello and musetta because of how they bicker and fight and that's the basis of their the foundation of their relationship but they stay together in the end because they realize that nobody makes them as happy as the other person you mean loretta and ronnie yes loretta and ronnie musetta and um marcello yeah that's it, me personally. This is only my opinion. And yes. It makes like sense. It. Even your little blurb talking about it. I was just like, yeah, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest. I am a uh, uncultured swine. And the most I know about Love OM is that Rent is based off of it. Yeah. Yes. You're not wrong. So, but this was like fascinating to like hear about and everything and like sort of draw all of those lines into Moonstruck. Crap, now I have to follow that up. You can always reorganize <laughs> it in post, right? You could just. <laughs> no, because it's got, I got a good segue because like we talked about how um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding was a one woman show perf- written and performed by Mia Verdalis. Mm-hmm. Um, in chicago i think it also went to la yeah it performed in la for six weeks that makes sense that's really all that i found about that because the pages are very short about that subject however the movie did have a spinoff tv show called my big fat greek life that lasted only one season and john Mm -hmm. corbett was the only cast member not to return yes oh um speaking of john corbett he didn't actually he didn't technically audition for the role okay so story goes he was in a bar in canada complaining to a friend that he wanted to audition for my big fat greek wedding but he obviously he couldn't because he was in canada shooting another movie and um nia verdalis and playtone producer uh and a playtone producer were there doing pre-production um for wedding and they offered him the role right on the spot in the bar amazing (laughs) um he's so perfect for this role by the by like just kind of being the generic love interest he adds so much to it but also like of course it would be somebody who looks like john corbett (laughs) well because i feel like would you say aiden is the same character very similar yeah his Sex of the City counterpart. Um, yeah, thank you. I was like, like ooh. <laughs> he's like, I saw, he's I saw like the question mark. <laughs> yeah. He's like the good looking guy with like sort of a down to earth job. And like, he's kind of like, like a touch new agey hippie, but not really. And like a, like a smidgen of all American boy. Yeah. 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 I, I, I see it. <laughs> um, so all the people on the bride side of the wedding during, like during the church scene was it was near Verdalis's family. Oh I God. love that so much. <laughs> oh my God. She really uh, does have a huge family. And then this, this fact just tickled me. It played in theaters for 52 weeks, making it theatrically the longest running movie surpassing Titanic by 11 weeks. Yep. And it is the second most profitable movie of all time earning 6,150% of its budget while in theaters. Paranormal Activity is number one. Yes! <laughs> yeah. Of course say, it is! I know for a while my Big Fat Greek Wedding was like the most financially successful indie movie because it is technically an indie movie right. of all time. I don't know if it still holds that. I think actually Paranormal Activity, I'm not sure if it counts as an indie movie or not, but it might be. The first one might count. The series doesn't. but Right, the, yeah, no, the might... series was... But then I think it was... I think the 
running longest running movie is Avatar, I think. I think it depends on if you're defining it by first run or not, but even then I would have to check some figures. Don't quote me on it. (laughs) We all know how I can't pronounce last names, so I'm obviously (laughs) not smart. I'm not smart. You're very (laughs) smart. Don't talk about my friend that way. Okay. Let's get into final thoughts. I have one other weird fact, though, about Greek wedding. Let's do. Right. Let's do it. One little one. I know that after her Nia did the run of the actual play, and when she was finalizing the script, she was shopping it around to different major um, film studios, and people loved the script. Execs loved the script, but they didn't want her to play tool oh yeah it was a whole thing she talked about it in an interview on some daytime talk show i don't remember which one but i remember listening to it and being like that's insane because i can't really picture anybody other than her and maybe that's just me personally i don't know but she shopped it around and basically they were willing to buy the script off of her to produce it but she was that was she was only going to have a screenwriter title in it and that's part of the reason like they went the other route in the indie direction because they didn't in order for her to do what she really wanted with the piece that was the only way wow thanks hollywood (laughs) i I, I do like see the reasoning from a producer's standpoint to a degree because she was an unknown quantity and you're Mm -hmm. like well we love the script but the script already is sort of a niche thing Yep. Um, obviously the wrong choice because the movie was a huge success with her and mm-hmm. you know maybe she's not a household name but she's a successful actress now yeah Yeah. I like mean with the amount of times it's played on TV yeah mm-hmm. Ever, uh, you, you know her face you know yeah. Tula yeah and exactly. I think she's now on another television show called Episodes or was on Episodes if I'm remembering correctly I believe so Netflix told me that once. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was my if you yeah. if you look at her IMDb, she's all over the place. Yeah. Um, she's I, she has more acting credits, obviously, than writing credits. <laughs> she was in Boy Meets World. Oh my god! What? Wh- <sighs> what? Now I have to rewatch the whole thing so I can find her. Season six. I was going to say, doesn't IMDb tell you the episode and the it's, season? <laughs> it's true, but like, don't you just want to rewatch? Boy yeah, Meets I just kind of want to use it as an excuse to rewatch. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's go to final thoughts. Woo! So we end, we end each episode asking the same five questions most of the time. Uh, can we or think a of a variation? A variation of it. <laughs> can we think of any other movies like these? I've got one. Go for it. It's called Mambo Italiano. Mm. It's a gay movie that is set in Canada with an Italian family. But it's all like Italian culture and everything. And on top of that, it's um, one of the earlier gay movies, like early 2000 gay movies. So mm-hmm. you had all, you have that layer added. I think you could find sort of a running theme, a lot of movies that are about people who are living in America and were born in America but have this very strong ethnic identity within their families and sort of I think that's like a very not super common but that that's a recurring theme that happens every now and then especially in indie movies like they're you know Jump the Broom is about uh, a Latino family and a black family and sort um, and two of their kids are getting married and sort of the combination of those two cultures and like the reconciliation between them. Um, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. But like, I'm sure there are other movies that I would argue fall under the same umbrella that I just can't think of. Lauren, do you have any in your in your brain? Ah, uh, let's see. My life starting from 1989 to about <laughs> 2007. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, it's eerie. The it's eerie. The parallels of my personal life to both of these movies and conversations and real life things that have happened. Where you sit there and you go, I, "If I if I put it in writing, people would still think I'm writing fiction." 
Um, as far as actual movies, eh, I don't know if, I mean, a part of me thinks that like Jane the Virgin, even though it's a television show, kind of falls oh especially a little bit it's got the telenovela thing going on too which is similar to the opera thing super heightened drama love story girl figuring out who she's supposed to be with and i mean in her case i mean she has a child and it's a little bit more complicated in that regard but the premise is still fairly similar i know it's not a movie but i also i mean my part of my brain is like what musicals too would this kind of fall underneath as well this particular uh, type of storytelling it's not centered around a wedding but bend it like beckham oh yes another good one that is a good one did we like these movies uh, i think i could speak for all three of us when i say yes yeah i Fuck fucking yeah. love these movies, I'll <laughs> these take movies you up are yeah. <laughs> would we watch them again yeah Fuck on yeah. repeat <laughs> and would we recommend them yes yeah <laughs> now are they actually the same I'm going to say a soft yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. he's got a question mark face. <laughs> I mean, you've got enough. There's not enough to give it a hard yes. Yeah, but there that's... isn't. There isn't. There isn't enough to give it a hard no. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, they're not completely dissimilar. It feels like they take place like in the same universe. Yes. Um, it's, it's the MCU of rom-coms with families. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mediterranean families, I should be more specific. Yeah, um, we should do that as an MCU type of thing, though. I want to see the <sighs> Polish equivalent of this because it's bad and weird. <laughs> I would watch I'm allowed it. to say that because I'm half Polish. Yeah, no, um, I don't think they're quite the same, but they definitely play around with a lot of the same themes and obviously very similar tones and things like that um so they they feel like sisters more than the same Ooh, sisters 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 support (laughs) well if you want to support our sister lauren lauren where can people find you Oh, man, you can find me on mostly Instagram, um, lodges <laughs> underscore sangs. If you're, I, I do projects and things and we write things and make things in my little world. So I'm always looking for people to come and hang out and talk to me. And COVID's done some things to my brain. So I'm looking for all the friends I can find right now. <laughs> it's true. I dragged you on this so you can have a social life. I'm so grateful. Love you, boo. <laughs> um, if you want to reach out to me for whatever reason, I don't know, to say hi, you can. I'm I'm on Twitter at Movies John. Uh, if you want to do the same, but for me, I am on Twitter at Cookie O'Shady. What cookie are you today? I think I'm a baklava today. Ooh. Okay. I don't. I'm not feeling very cookie. I'm feeling very baklava. That's fine. Your your handle your rules. I mean, Thanks. Um, and if you <laughs> if you want to reach out to the podcast and tell us your thoughts and feelings on these movies or in general, you can email us at moviedejavupod at gmail dot com. That is m o v i e d e j a v u p o d at gmail dot com. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Movie Deja Vu Pod. And we're on Twitter at Movie Deja Vu. No pod, because why, Shady? Oh, shit. I didn't prepare for this. Uh, because, because Johnny was distracting Ronnie and he got his the, the pod cut off. That is what happened. I don't know. Um, and obviously, we do do your fan submissions. So... Lauren gave us a whole list that we're going to attack at some at points during this year. But if you want, if you want uh, your voice heard, feel like right into us. If you want to be part of next week's conversation, we'll be comparing Spider-Man Homecoming versus Shazam. Yeah. Yeah. Shazam Super is my heroes. favorite movie. Guys, I need some Windex because I've got, <laughs> I've got a zit on my lip so I gotta go.
We didn't mention the Windex. It's fine. I did it right now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right, bye for now, guys. We didn't mention the moon either. I'm going to go look at it. <laughs> go stare at the moon while I go by Windex. Lauren, you're going to go sing an aria, right? Oh, no. You have to pay me to do that now. <laughs> Sorry. That, I don't do that stuff for free anymore. <laughs> <sighs> 20 plus years of friendship and I still have to pay for an aria god damn it yes you do <laughs> no perks there are no perks I mean look at it this way my mom has to pay for an aria so it's equal opportunity over here <laughs> poor Louise getting dragged through the mud by me and you <laughs> she's my mom it's fine she was actually asking how to listen to these because she's totally fascinated well Bye for now, everyone. Bye. Bye. Oh, we're still recording. Yes. Bye.